0: Baptist Church. That, I got a little off key there. I was starting to sing it with them. Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. <laughs> Welcome, one and all. We're glad that you are here, and I hope you had a most joyous Christmas with your family and your friends. All of us probably weigh about 10 pounds more than we did last week, and uh, it, is, it is good to get back into the rhythm of, uh, of things. By the grace of God, we have come to the last Sunday of 2018. Some will be glad that 2018 is over because you had a very rough year, and you're looking for, no matter what happened to us in 2018, I think all of us like a new beginning. So 2019 will offer us a new beginning and a new start. 2019 will be a year of great joy for some of you. 2019 will be a year of great sorrow for some of you. But no matter what it is, no matter what happens to you in 2019, all of us are going to face some kind of dilemmas. You're going to face dilemmas maybe that you never even thought would ever happen to you. So I want to talk about that today. How do we confront these dilemmas that we have in 2019 with joy? So let me pray, and we will get into it. Father, as we cross the threshold of a new year, we take this time in our journey to give you thanks. You have been by our side in 2018, or we would not have made it. We have been clothed and fed by your gifts, and when fear engulfed us and we faced the unknown. Christ, our high priest, interceded for us at the throne of heaven. And when we face decisions, your Holy Spirit gave us wisdom. And now as we approach 2019, we seek your guidance for the year that is ahead of us. We pray that you will keep us firm and consistent, that we may serve you and be a servant to those that we do life with. And when decisions have to be made, let us seek your will. And when we are met with unexpected dilemmas, may what we learn from your word today help us to have joy in those dilemmas. Help us to have peace in those dilemmas. Help us to know that you are in control of those dilemmas. And as we face the unknown of 2019, be our confidence and our strength. And now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. I want you to picture the scene rising young business executive is waiting for a subway station, New York City. This young man is well-dressed. He has on an $800 suit, a $150 designer tie. He has on alligator shoes that cost $250. He has a $300 attache case in his hand and a pipe hanging out the corner of his mouth. This young man is a mover and a shaker, and he knows it. He's got the world by the tail, and he knows it. There's another fellow on the subway who is prone to motion sickness. He has just had a big lunch. He was the last person to get on the car And he had to stand facing out. Things are going by at 90 miles an hour. And it's hot. And it's crowded. And the longer he stands there, the sicker he gets. The car stops at the station. The doors come open. There's this rising young executive waiting to get on the train. And when the... Doors open, out comes this guy's lunch. All over this young executive's $800 suit, his $150 designer tie, his $250 alligator shoes, his $300 attache case, and all over his pipe. The door closes and the train heads for the city. And there he stands drenched in this guy's lunch and he turns to the guy behind him and he says why me why 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 me why me now I stole that from Chuck Swindoll and I thought if Chuck can tell it I can tell it but that corny story has a sermon in it There is a sermon in there because when we are faced with a dilemma, we have the same tendency as that young executive did to cry out, why me? Why this? Why now? Charlie Brown once said, it always looks darkest before it gets totally black. Have you noticed that life does not turn out as planned? Have you lived long enough to understand that? Have you also lived long enough to know that life is not fair and God never said it would be fair? I read something the other day that made me laugh out loud. It said if life was fair, Elvis would be alive and the impersonators would be dead. Amen? (laughs) The truth is that no one gets through life without dilemmas, and the key to finding joy in those dilemmas is what we're going to talk about this morning. Look at the screen. This is the definition of a dilemma. A dilemma is an unpleasant or confusing situation that is difficult to get out of or solve. Let's do it again. An unpleasant or confusing situation that is difficult to get out of or to solve. Now, what is the greatest dilemma that you've ever faced? It's painful just to think about it, isn't it? Did you have joy in that dilemma? When you say, well, L.D., don't be ridiculous. How in the world can you find joy in the dilemma? The answer comes from the text that I want to use this morning, the Philippians, the first chapter, verses 12 through 26, if you want to turn there, Philippians 1, 12 through 26. But before I read the text, I've got to set up the context of the text. Let, let me set up Paul's dilemma and show you how he found joy in his dilemma and how he used his dilemma for good. The year is 61 AD. The Apostle Paul is imprisoned in Rome. He is waiting a trial before Nero. The charge against him is insurrection against the state, and that is a capital offense. Now, Paul is faced with the real possibility that his life is going to be taken from him and he's going to be put to death. This is not theoretical. He's not talking about an exercise in philosophy. This is where the rubber meets the road. Paul now has been under house arrest for two years. For two years, people, he has been chained 24-7 to a Roman guard. He ate with him. He slept with him. Paul had to take care of his personal uh, situation with him 24/7 he's chained to a Roman guard and in all likelihood as I said, Paul is going to go before Nero and Nero is no friend of Christians. Now this is a time of serious soul searching. When a person is confronted with death, it is a time where they carefully consider the most important issues in life and Paul knows, His future is hanging in the balance. Will he be sentenced to death or will he be released? This is his attitude toward it. I want to pick it up in verse, verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. But I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sakes. Remember that. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of my coming to you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Now, how in the world can you have joy in that kind of dilemma? Is it even possible? I want to reach in to this text and pull out three truths that I think that will help you to face your unexpected dilemmas when they come in 2019. And the first one is this. If you're going to find joy in your dilemma, then understand all dilemmas have a purpose. All dilemmas have a purpose. Look back at chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Look at the purpose. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else, that my imprisonment is because of Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment, and dare even more to speak the word furiously. Now that does not sound like a guy who is having pity party. Under house arrest, chain twenty four seven to a Roman guard. And Paul has the audacity to say, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Now, here's how they advanced the gospel. Here's how Paul used his current dilemma. Instead of seeing that soldier chained to him and being confined, he looked at that soldier as a captive audience. He looked at that guy's... That guy, can can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul for four hours a day? Would you like to be chained to a preacher four hours a day? You know, that guy did not have a chance. So Paul says, what an opportunity to share the gospel with one soldier after another. And then those soldiers would go back to the barracks and tell the other elite guard, this was Nero's personal guard. And they say, well, 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 watch out. That little bald-headed Jew will get to you. He will get to you. Watch it. Paul did not feel victimized at all. He did not feel frustrated. There is not a word about how awful his confinement was. Not one word about how heavy his chains are or whether he's cold or hungry or mistreated. He embraced that confinement, and he embraced it with joy so that he could convert <coughs> the palace If we're going to understand our dilemma, if we're going to have any joy in our dilemma in the coming year, realize the good often outweighs the bad. Are you with me? Realize the good often outweighs the bad. Now, what if it wasn't a bad God, but a good God who even when bad things happen could bring good out of them? Does that sound familiar? What did Paul say in Romans 8, 28? I am convinced that all things work together for good to to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Our dilemmas in 29 will have a purpose, and the good will often outweigh the bad. There's a second way that you can deal with your dilemma. And that is realize it's not about me. It is not about me. Now, the reason that dilemmas can be so challenging is because we think it's about us. It's all about me. Paul's attitude was, it's not about me at all. It's about what God wants to do through me, not what's happening to me. And Paul allowed God to use this dilemma and, folks, it impacted the Christian community. It impacted the church at Philippi. He wrote this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison. And here we are, how many years? 2,000 plus, and we're still studying the book of Philippians, which is one of my favorite books of the New Testament. You see, his attitude made the difference. Our attitude makes the difference. It is not about me, but the lives of others and how they're affected. Now I know today that some of you are in chains, and they're hard, and they're cold, and they're heavy, and they're binding. Maybe you're out of work. Maybe you have had a miscarriage. Maybe you have been trying to get pregnant, diagnosed with cancer. You have a rebellious child. Maybe a spouse loved one has that dreaded disease, Alzheimer's. Maybe you constantly, every day, fight depression. Maybe you're in a marriage that's not ideal, and we all know that a bad marriage can be hell on earth. Maybe you're living from paycheck to paycheck. Maybe students here are having trouble with relationships. Infirmities of old age. deal with an addiction every day, or you have these ongoing health issues that just never get well. So your chains are real, and they're heavy, and they're cold, and they're hard. But I don't want to be cruel when I say we choose our attitude toward them. Stuart Briscoe, in his book, Bound for Joy, he said, Some people worship their problems more regularly and with greater fervor than they worship the Lord. They bow down to them, have their behavior governed by them, and generally allow their lives to revolve around them. God does not want us to worship our dilemmas. God does not want us to ignore our dilemmas and pretend like they don't exist he simply wants us to put the dilemmas that we have in 2019 in perspective, because they have a purpose. <coughs> now, it may you may not know the purpose during the dilemma. I have a friend, Dr. Gary Weedman, who was the president of Johnson University, and he called it rear view theology. <laughs> and many times. After we've been through the dilemma and we look through the rearview mirror, then we understand the purpose, right? But understand, even when we don't understand the purpose, they have a purpose. God allowed them to come to us, and that is why they are so hard to handle. It is hard to handle it when we realize that for some reason God allowed this to happen. And maybe it, the purpose was that he was going to design in us a deeper knowledge of him. Maybe that dilemma would cause us to be more useful to him. See, whenever we deal with it that way, then and only then can we deal with our dilemma with an alert anticipation and a spiritual insight. But we're going to talk about the purpose. And God's, God's purpose is for us next next Sunday, so stay tuned. So we can find joy in our dilemma when we understand all dilemmas have a purpose. There's a second truth in this text that I want to pull out. We can find joy in our dilemmas when we determine to finish well. Are you with me? When we determine to finish well. Philippians 1, verses 18 through 20. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus. Now, don't forget that. Don't forget that. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The Apostle Paul has made a decision in this dilemma to finish well. Look look what he says. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. His goal was to finish well. Now, folks, that is my goal. That is my goal. I want to finish well. I, I, I don't want to blow it. And bring shame on the cause of Jesus Christ. I, 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 I don't want to embarrass the church. I, I, I don't want to bring shame and hurt to my family. My goal is to finish well as well. When I preached as a first church, a lady came up to me and she said, Well, Elder, you're almost six oh you're almost seventy-six years old. You're almost there. What are you worried about? Well, I have a post-it. Note on my computer from that great old Baptist evangelist, Vance Haverner. He's way before your time. He said this, no one is safe until they're home. Can I get a witness? To find joy in your dilemma, determined to finish well. I knew a new young lady, mother of two young children, diagnosed with incurable She said to us, I want to walk through this illness and eventually death in a way that will strengthen the faith and the hope of others in Christ. Wow. Now, was she sad to leave her husband and her two little girls? Of course she was. But she was far more concerned about finishing well than she was the cancer. She never wallowed in self-pity because she felt Maybe in some way God has entrusted me with this, and I hope to honor Jesus through it. And she found joy in her dilemma of cancer because she determined to finish well, and she did. Now, did it make her suffering easier? No, no, no. She suffered terrible. Did she put on this spiritual smile like a lot of Christians do? And Put on this plastic halo and oh, God bless you. God, you know how they talk, you know. And no, she didn't. Did she think it was unfair to leave her girls? Yes, she did. But this lady, like many of you, rose above her chains and finished well, even though she experienced. Fear, sadness, doubts, and frustrations. She was consciously aware of her desire to finish well. And this is like Paul. This is what she said. You all are going to have to help me. You all are going to have to help me with this. You all are going to have to help me finish well. Did you catch what Paul said? He said the same thing. He said, yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation. And here it is, through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, scholars tell me that verse 19 is difficult to translate from the original language of the New Testament to English. And what Paul was literally asking them to do was to pray into him in ever-increasing ways the Holy Spirit. Pray into me through your prayers a special dose of the Holy Spirit. Pray into me, my friends, the power to get through this dilemma. Paul knew to live the way he wanted to live and to determine to finish well and to honor Jesus in this imprisonment. Yes, it would take his personal vigilance, but he knew he had to be sustained by Christian brothers and sisters. He knew that they could pray into him the resources of the Holy Spirit. He knew that he could not do it on his own, and neither can you or neither can I. Maybe you're close to God. Maybe you're far away from God. But I want to tell you, you will not finish well without prayer. Without prayer, you will not finish well. Folks, on our own, none of us have it to finish well. There are spiritual realities that only happen because of prayer. Do you agree with that? Only happen. And without the resources of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to finish well. Let me show you something from verse 19. He says, help from the Spirit of Jesus. Now, the word help there is a feeble translation. It should be resources. This would be the way it should read in a better way. I know that through your prayers and the resources of the spirit of Jesus Christ this will turn out for my deliverance through the resources of the holy spirit the holy spirit that was indwelling him was capable of delivering him the holy spirit that indwells you is capable of delivering far more competent than we think to handle any situation and when you add the holy spirit our determination and the prayers of others, then maybe we can finish well. But I want you to know this great Christian is not trusting himself. Paul is not trusting himself. He is trusting in God's people to sustain him by praying the Holy Spirit into him. Now let me ministry of Burlington Baptist Church. But I do know this. If you don't invest in relationships in a community of a small group in such a way that when you need people to pray God's spirit in you, they will be there to pray a strength and a courage and a peace of mind into you that you do not have. You have to lay the groundwork, invest in relationships, and when you need those people, they can pray the power of the Some of you may know, some of you may not. In 2015, I had a surgery. Six months later, something went really bad. And I ended up having to have three more surgeries within six weeks. Thought I was going to die. And I didn't, there were days I didn't know. I was out of my head. I I had hallucinations. Joyce wouldn't let people come to see me. She just said, he's crazy. You can't come see him. And I was so out of my head. And I I didn't know where I was going to be because my mind was so clouded. But I did know this. Joyce and I did know this, that there were people around the country who were praying the resources of the Holy Spirit into us, praying a strength into us, a peace of mind into us that we didn't have, and they prayed it into us. or I wouldn't be here. We will not finish well without the power of the Holy Spirit, and prayed into us. Now, whew, I've been giving you some heavy stuff, all right? Take relax, take a breath. Look at your watch, see what time it is, so you know what time to go. Uh, let's do a little review, are you with me? Gives us a chance to catch our breath, because that's, that's been some heavy stuff, whew. We can find joy in our dilemma two ways, are you with me? Understand, all dilemmas have a purpose. All things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose. All dilemmas have a purpose. And then, determine to finish well. And if you don't have the resources, if there's a problem in your life, you don't. ask God's people to pray that a special dose of the Holy Spirit do you, to help you through that dilemma. There's another truth I want to pull out of this text, and that is this. When you're in a dilemma, make wise decisions. I tell you, people, I have seen people make some of the dumbest, 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 did I say dumbest, decisions when they were in a dilemma. Dumb Decisions on the spare of the moment that ruin them and ruin their family. When you are in a dilemma in 2019, make wise decisions. Let me show you how Paul made wise decisions. Look at verses 21 through 26 again. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. Here it comes. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all. Your progress and joy in the faith. Now, Paul is struggling with two decisions here. I long to depart and go to heaven. Whoa! Get out of this. Get out of these chains. And then to remain. To remain with you is necessary, he says. So here is his decision. To depart. To remain. Here he is in prison, and that decision is intensified because he doesn't know if he's going to live or die, to depart, to remain. Now, at my time in my life, I can identify with that. I'm rounding third and heading home, people. And most of the fulfillment of my ministry is in the past. I'll tell you, more and more of heaven is in my heart. And I feel it stronger and stronger. And there are some days I I, I miss people in heaven so bad. I'll say to Joyce, Joyce, I wonder what our old people are doing today. And the pull is strong. Because I know that most of my life's work is done, and the the dilemma to depart is very real, and some mornings when I get up, my body says to me, let's depart, (laughs) let's depart, let's depart, but on the other hand, I know that to remain is also very real, because you would think after 55 years of doing this, surely I have got a few qualities and a few skills and a little experience that I could still be of some value to the church and to God's kingdom. And I want to tell you, I want to thank the Burlington Baptist Church for offering me that opportunity. I will always love you. When I came off of my sickness, I had not been out of the house or preached for nine months, and you allowed me to preach and proved to me again that I still had something to offer. And now you've given me this opportunity to preach to you. You know committee, don't be in a hurry. <laughs> I talked to Darren, our pastor, about it this week, and he says, LD, it looks like we've got Burlington covered, don't we? <laughs> so I know what Paul is talking about. And this is where Paul is. To remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake, for I am persuaded of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. So the decision to remain wasn't the best decision for Paul. Man, I told the people at the hospital, I knew most of those people in the emergency room, I come in here, and I'm dead on arrival, and you bring me back. When I wake up, I'm going to be really ticked off. (laughs) To depart, that was good for him. But the wise decision was to remain. To remain. That was the good of the kingdom. So in this coming year, when you're faced in a dilemma and you have to make decisions, make wise decisions. If you don't know how, get somebody to help you. Get somebody to counsel you. Get somebody to pray with you. Make wise decisions. Well, just so you know, Paul was released. He was released from prison. But then in about 63 A.D., he was imprisoned again. Well, no, he was released in 63 A.D. And then he was imprisoned again. And we we don't exactly know if it was 66 or 67 or 68. This time in his second imprisonment, he was beheaded. But from the time he was released from prison to the time he went back to prison and was beheaded, he had four, maybe five years to spread the gospel. I've come to the Conclusion that the key verse in Philippians is one, eighteen. Rejoice. I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. That's our goal for twenty nineteen. I rejoice, and yes, I will continue to rejoice. Rejoice is a choice. Sit with me. Rejoice is a choice. Now. It like you were a Pentecostal all right read all oh, you go there you go Paul chooses to rejoice in his dilemma and you see all you Jesus in the dilemma. Put him right smack dab in the middle of that dilemma and you will experience an inexpressible joy. You're going to have dilemmas in 2019. They're going to be frightening. They're going to be scary. They're going to be confusing. But if you understand Eventually has a purpose, and determine in that dilemma. I'm going to finish well. I'm not going to let this kill me. And if you, if you need people to pray, the resources of the Holy Spirit. In, ask them to. And then, for God's sake. God care? Does God even know where I am? Yes, he knows your address. He knows where you are. And that marvelous promise in James 1, 12 says, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown some here who've been living with a dilemma that has gone on for days or weeks or months and there's been no relief. And Lord, they've wanted at times to doubt and probably have times that, where are you? What are you doing here, Father? I don't understand. Father, help us to understand that the dilemma's come not to break us, but to make us not to destroy us, but to develop us and to turn us into the sons and daughters of God. Father, work in our lives for our growth and your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. and start the new year as a newborn child of the king. Come and accept what he's done for you on Calvary. Let him forgive your sins, give you a home in heaven, give you a peace of mind.